it actually made me realize that we do have a lot of capacity if you concentrate your resources on just a couple things instead of feeling totally, you know, like spread thin trying to do all of the things. <laughs> Hi, I'm Candace Fortman from Outlier Media. And I'm Ben DeJarnett from Lion Publishers. And on this episode of News Guests, we're going to talk about one of my favorite questions to ask news founders. What do you wish you'd known when you got started? Yeah, and we actually had so many interesting takes on this question that we're going to split things up into two episodes, the one you're listening to now and one that'll be out next month. But we'll start today with Kara Meiberg-Guzman from Santa Cruz Local and Chuck Stengor from Gettysburg Connection talking about lessons they learned the hard way as founders and their advice for people just getting started. And a quick format note for listeners, I actually talked to Kara and Chuck on calls earlier this month. So what we'll do is play short clips from those interviews, and then Candace and I will talk about what we hear. Okay, Ben, so who's up first? First up, we have Kara talking about setting a sustainable workload for herself and her team and learning how to stop doing things when they're not working. Okay, Kara, so... So you shared a couple pieces of advice that I think we should talk about as a pair. So first you said, prioritize your own and your team's mental health, and then also learn how to let go of control and delegate responsibility. And it sounds like these are lessons you learned the hard way at Santa Cruz Local. So can you tell us a little bit about the story behind it and kind of how it led you um, uh, led you in the business to where you are now? Yeah, sure. Um, so... Before I co-founded Santa Cruz Local, I was the managing editor of our local daily newspaper, and it was a grind. I mean, it was a very difficult place to work for a lot of reasons, and it was just like long hours and just mentally and emotionally draining. And so when I co-founded Santa Cruz Local, I said, you know, things are going to be different. No, we are not running our company that way. Um, We set a list of... um, values guiding principles of our company like pretty close to the start and said you know one of the guiding principles was all employees will uh you know we respect employees times uh time no employee will work more than 40 hours a week uh lo and behold a year into santa cruz local or you know several months into santa cruz local that was not happening i was working 80 hour weeks uh it was brutal. Um, And, you know, I realized, like, looking back now, you know, we came to the realization that this, we, like, to actually change and to actually value employees' times and value work-life balance, you have to have a process in place. You can't just say, you know, we're not going to do that. Um, So it took a long time and we're still learning how to do it, but we built a process where, you know, we're tracking um, each week, how are we doing (laughs) with, um, you know, work-life balance and, and if it's not good that week, we come up with a plan to fix it the next week. So yeah, we've realized that it's you know little steps, and it's a lot of it is sharing the workload. Um, you know, when we did an audit of all the tasks that each team member has, I realized like, oh, my list is like too long, and so we um, shared some of those duties, split them up, and now we're all working on like almost all of the aspects of the company together instead of like the little, you know, roles and departments being, you know, like totally on one person's shoulders. Yeah. 
And how did you decide what to let go of? Uh, because I know it can be be hard to unwind certain habits and routines when you've already set expectations for like, you know, these are the things we make, this is the work we do, these are the things that need to get done. So were you able to say, okay, we're going to do less of something? Or was it more about redistributing that work? Uh, I would say more the latter than the former. Um, but we definitely did stop doing some things like social media. <laughs> we to organize what we were going to say yes to and what we were going to say no to. We had a series of team meetings on, um, you know, our why, like, why do we do this work? Why did we build this company? Um, and we realized, you know, it's because our, our statement was we we do this work because we love Santa Cruz County and we want to understand it in all of its nuances and complexity. Um, and then we came up with a list of five hows, like how do we do this? Um, and then so we looked at our list of our audit of all the tasks that we do and compared it to that list of whys and hows. And you know the tasks that don't really get us to that why and how, um, like social media, it just wasn't you know, that's just not how people are hearing from us. It didn't have the impact. You know, it's like, it just wasn't a big part of our distribution. Um, we just said, okay, we're not going to, we're just not going to invest that much time into it. And, you know, we're, <laughs> we're still here. Like, it, you know, it, you can stop doing stuff. And it actually made me realize that we do have a lot of capacity if you to concentrate your resources on just a couple things instead of feeling totally, you know, like spread thin trying to do all of the things. <laughs> yeah, I actually want to talk a little bit more about the social media piece because I think that's one of those areas that can feel like a total time suck. And uh, there's so many platforms, there's always new platforms. Uh, you could spend forever on social media. And, and sometimes there's a, a reflex to kind of want to be everywhere um, on every platform. So how did you decide look, okay, we're going to spend this much time on these platforms and we're not going to go beyond that. Yeah. Um, it's, we decided to try as an experiment, like how, uh, to track how much traffic is coming from each channel. Um, and we realized it was very minimal. Um, and, uh, you know, we do, a very minimum, like five minutes per night of work um, on social media, but um, it used to be much more than that, like where we'd plan out these Instagram posts. And um, yeah, like when we looked at who was coming from Instagram and how were they becoming loyal readers and, you know, were they coming down our funnel? Um, that was not the case. Another piece of advice you shared is to focus on your audience research and minimum viable product out of the gate uh, and spend less time worrying about seed funding. And I think that's a really important point to talk about because so many aspiring founders have an idea, maybe it's a great idea, uh, but they don't necessarily have the, the resources to self-finance it. Uh, often they don't have access to the networks of wealth uh, that could get seed funding. But what you're saying is that's okay. Um, and there's more important things to focus on when you're getting started. Uh, than that than that initial funding. So how, how did you learn that lesson and what else would you say to people in that position? Yeah, I would say a couple of things. Um, well, maybe I'll start with how we, like the mistakes I met, made, so maybe you can avoid them. Um, the first, you know, when Santa Cruz Local was just the seed of an idea, 
um, you know, in the very, before we were even starting to write stories or like test anything, I started with two months of just like talking to uh, potential donors, trying to see if like, you know, let them know, like people knew, okay, people in our community knew that there's a need for local news. I feel like everyone I talked to understood that. And when I pitched this idea, like, look, I'm, we're trying to start this new local news outlet, you know, I felt like people got it, but just no one was willing to donate yet. And I just feel like I wasted a lot of time. Um, you know, I thought, I thought that to start the thing, I needed the money. Um, and then I, you know, after coming up wall after wall, you know, we decided to just start um, very small and just start with a test to see if um, people liked this product that we were thinking of. And we, we started with doing little five minute podcasts about what happened it, last night in Santa Cruz City Council to see if it would catch. Um, and, you know, built from there. I think we had a lot of privilege to be able to do that because we didn't pay ourselves for eight months. And when we did, it was just a couple hundred dollars stipend a month. And, um, you know, it took a long time to get to where we could pay ourselves salary. And we could only do that because um, of, yeah, we were lucky of where we were in our lives. Like my partner, my business partner was able to work another full-time job. You know, I was, had savings. <laughs> and was able to work for free for more than a year. So yeah, I mean, to test an idea doesn't take that much money, but to be able to, for us, like I was able to pour myself like wholeheartedly full-time into it. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I was in a very lucky spot to be able to do that. So Ben, you know, one of my favorite conversations is about what does it mean for an organization to be sustainable that has absolutely nothing to do with money? Because quite honestly, I think the ways in which organizations are sustainable that are outside of the definition of money are actually more important because quite often those things are about the people. And unless you have the people to run the organization, to do the reporting, none of it really matters at the end of the day. And so I really appreciate this conversation with Kara because that is what she is focused on at the top of that um, clip of audio, right? She's talking about looking at actual data to make decisions about um, who had too many tasks on their plate, how to remove things from that task list. Very seldom do you hear leaders uh, talking about what we can remove <laughs> from the task list. It's often like, what can we add to your list? So let's talk a bit about that conversation you had with her um, and sort of those big takeaways you had when she was looking at data and task and how to figure out how to, to make the load lighter for her team. Yeah, the, you know, the the looking at data part of it really, really was the takeaway. Like I I don't think the answer is is you know news publishers spend too much time on social media. We need to spend less time on social, right? Like that was the answer they came to, um, but they came to that answer by sort of thinking about the why questions, right? Like why are we doing this work? How are we doing this work? Um, and then you know looking at at what their their analytics, their metrics. Um, uh, what what the data said was working, and then you know doing doing more of the stuff that was working, and and letting go of of stuff that wasn't. So, um, you know, of course, that's 
that's almost the, the second step in the process, right? The first step was having those analytics set up, having that like data structure um, set up in the first place so that you can answer the questions you're asking about your own impact. Um, and if you skip that step, then, you know, you're not going to be able to, to be able to, to make those decisions with, with the kind of data you, you'd want to. Yeah, I mean, they really were super thoughtful about that why question. Why are we producing the reporting that we produce? And if you can go back to your why, you can answer a bunch of questions um, that will help you solve for if you are actually on task, if you're on mission. You know, we talk a lot about this idea of will this thing that I'm doing take us off mission? And if it takes us off mission, why are we even doing it? And I really can appreciate that that team is really thinking about that question very deeply. And it is hopefully making more room for their team to have a, a better um, sense of work-life balance, which for all of us right now, I think is critical if we're thinking about retaining employees. I think that folks are asking us to solve that problem as leaders. This is not no longer like, you know, well, I hope that they can figure it out. It's a, you better figure it out or you're going to be short a few folks and maybe have a hard time getting more folks in. So let's move a little bit down the question and talk about capital. And starting without the capital, um, I appreciate that it was mentioned that that is not a choice that everyone can make. Um, and so I certainly will not be going around telling people to do that as somebody who, you know, runs an organization and didn't pay myself for some time in running that organization. I know what that sacrifice looks like. And I, I want to take a moment to be really honest and vulnerable. It took me been to probably about the beginning of 2021 to recover from that financially. Um, I was behind in every way you can possibly be behind. And um, I was fortunate. I don't have children. I'm not married. You know, I'm in, I was in a very particular situation where you can do that. That's not true for everybody. And there are communities that need newsrooms. They really can't, you know, afford for us to wait. So when I see investments like AJP is making in places like Houston and in Cleveland, where those newsrooms are starting, you know, with a major investment, I'm excited. But I also know <laughs> that is not going to be the case in every community that needs news. So let's dig into a bit about that idea of starting without capital and those tiny things that they did in order to at least get some reporting out into their community. Yeah, I mean, to, to get meta, I, I saw your tweet thread last week about, you know, needing needing more funding in the space right like growing that funding pipeline and this being a time when when you know we we can't wait right communities can't wait and and it's going to take uh it's going to take a lot more resources and and it's not you know philanthropy or um capital or um reader revenue or advertising it's like all of the above right you know obviously that's 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 got to be part of the answer um while we're getting there you know I, and and for folks who who don't have that access to capital or the resources to get to get started with like a big budget, you know, I think one of the lessons from Santa Cruz Local is to, and from other members that we've seen come through our boot camps, you know, getting started from the ground is like to to really think, think small out of the gate, right? Like <laughs> think, dream big, but start small. Um, so think about like what's what's the, kind of the simplest version of this that I can test. Uh, how can I make my target audience more focused? How can I make the kind of that why question more focused? And maybe even if I dream of covering everything from housing to education to climate to city hall, right? If I, Maybe I want to do those things all eventually, but how can I get started, right? And for the audience I've identified, like, what's the most important thing? 
and you can always you can always grow, right? You can always add to your to your mission and to your scope of work as you add resources, but it's really really hard if you like overextend yourself out of the gate and you try to do too many things, often you're not going to do them well. So, yeah, I think that was one of my takeaways from that call and and just one of the things I've I've learned from watching our aspiring entrepreneur members at, at Lion get started is is, you know, dream dream big, start small and and do something really well and then grow from there. That's right. I think I can tell you from personal experience and growing outlier, that's how we did it. We look, that's why our information needs, why we start with information needs. That way we can really look at what do Detroiters need the most information about. So we started there, which was housing in that, at that time, housing and, and utilities. So that was what we covered. And we did that with less people than anybody should ever have to do anything with, but it allowed us to really um, dig into that reporting to get really good at uh, reporting at using technology to get information out so that when we expanded, we already had a model that you could follow, right? No matter what the subject um, area was, there was a model that we knew worked to keep Detroiters informed, right? So I think that there's something um, really special, quite honestly, about starting small because it also allows for a lot of experimentation. When you're small and you're kind of quiet and you're in the corner, you can really think these things through in a way that if you've got a lot of money right out the gate, people want impact immediately as well. And you can't always promise impact when growing um, a, a new thing, right? And for as much as we've been in the internet age, for a lot of communities, digital news is still relatively new. It's still a new concept. Um, and so we're still training and learning with our audiences about how to provide good information to them and where and, and, and in what formats. So, you know, we're all still in experiment phase, I like to think. Um, but, you know, it works if you if you are really rigorous about what you're doing. And I think Santa Cruz Local has certainly um, figured that part out really well. So who are we talking with next? Next up, we have Chuck Stengor, who's the founder of Gettysburg Connection and a longtime Lion member. And I talked to him about tech stacks and the importance of getting the right software and tools and platforms in place uh, to support your work. Here's a little clip. I mean, I never called it a tech stack. That's a, a new term. And I realized at one point, oh, I have a tech stack, but I didn't even really know what that was until recently. Uh, but you have all of these different software programs that you need to learn about and, uh, and, and put together. And I mean, I could give you a couple of examples of, I mean, one thing, I, I use WordPress. And one thing you do when you get started is you use a lot of plugins. Uh, and some of them work and some of them don't. And then suddenly you have like 100 plugins. And you don't, you think, oh my God, I wonder which ones of these I'm actually still using. And it's not that easy to tell, in fact, whether a plugin is still being used. Uh, and then you discover that the plugins are slowing down your site speed. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's probably one thing if I had known in the beginning, oh, you really need to watch your plugins. I didn't take it very seriously. Candace, I saw you nodding along to the uh, talk about WordPress and its plugins. Ben, this is a subject <laughs> that <laughs> gives me and Sarah both, uh, who is our founder and editor-in-chief of our outlier, a lot of... Um, I don't want to use the word stress because that might be too strong, but this is something we think about a lot at, uh, I think about a lot at Outlier. And we think about it in this way. Um, you know, traditional news, traditional papers had the printing press, 
right? And so then the question for us, the question we are trying to solve right now is, what is the printing press of digital news? What is the printing press of this future of news, right? And I don't know that we fully figured it out as an ecosystem, as a community of practice quite yet. I think that many of us need very different things. I mean, Outlier is first and foremost an SMS service. Our technology is very different than um, many other newsrooms. We didn't even start with a website. I mean, like we threw a website up that was built on WordPress that no one should have trusted us to build. Uh, it's neither Sarah nor I knew what we were doing, right? So when, you know, I think about things like, you know, a CMS, we're just now getting to that part. And it really goes back to our, our conversation from before, starting small. We didn't start with a website because we really wanted to focus on getting information into people's hands right where they were and in really small, digestible ways, right? So we weren't focused on long-form reporting at that at that point in the same way. Now that we have expanded our ability to offer more, we have a bigger team, we have newsletters, we have all these other things. Now we're building a website, like a true functioning website. And we're working with um, Michael Grant over at Get Current Studios. And so when I think about this question, what I think, what I, my only thing I could say is that you have to trust someone much smarter than you in this area to help you figure out what your needs are and to really listen to your team, not just the ED, not just the editor in chief, but Michael has interviewed everybody on our team to really, because everyone uses technology different on the team, depending on what their role is. So um, you know, I feel for Chuck because <laughs> those plugins really do slow down your site. Yeah, I think the the kind of the flip side of the plugins coin is the integrations coin, right? Like if you have, um, you know, a Mailchimp that you're using for emails and WordPress for your site, and you've got something else for SMS potentially, um, and a, a different CRM, right? Customer relationship manager where you've got your business leads, like. All those things have to talk to each other, and uh, you know there's tools like uh, uh, Zapier, um, and uh, you know some of the platforms have direct integrations. But like I'm learning the hard way, like <laughs> those things break all the time. Like you know we were just setting up a newsletter series at Lion, and um, you know the the integration worked like 90% of the time, but then there was like 10% it didn't. I had to like figure out what was going wrong. So. I guess I'm kind of talking myself into <laughs> coming back to that like start small point, right? Like there's there's so much you can do um, and there's so many options and that's part of what's daunting about building a tech stack is like there's, you know, eight different CMSs you could do, five different membership platforms go down the list. But, um, you know, if you can, if you can kind of start with that that core product and you can get that working really well and then kind of build from there, I think that 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 might position you better than, you know, trying to build everything you might ever need for the next five years of your business, and then a finding out that um, you know what you thought you needed isn't what you needed, and then b just like having to maintain all those connections and integrations and and plugins if you're on WordPress. Yeah, and I think we should have learned, if nothing else, over the last couple of years, the world changes very quickly. And the needs of our audience change really quickly. So if we aren't ready to be agile 
and like switch things on a dime, we might be failing our communities at times when they really need us to be thoughtful about how we deliver the news. So if you invest all of your money in a website, but the electricity goes out in your town for a while, uh, that might not be as helpful, right? I, and I think a lot about what I watched with the Texas Tribune last year during those terrible storm, that terrible storm down in Texas, right? And I'm watching from Michigan, a place where we're very used to that kind of weather, right? So our infrastructure around that is very different. But uh, I watched them launch an SMS service, right? And 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 they came back and said that that was inspired by the, some of the work we were doing over at Outlier. I think all of us need to learn from one another as we watch things happen in communities. I watch how people are informed um, and, and how people use technology in California during wildfire season, right? Uh, I think that we all have a lot to learn about what our tech stacks can do based on what other people are using them for, but also not to be so dependent on them because there are times where they are not as useful as you might want them to be. Newsguest is a production of Lion Publishers, the only journalism association solely dedicated to helping news entrepreneurs launch and build stronger independent news businesses. Special thanks to our host, Candace Fortman, our guests, Kara Mybrook Guzman and Chuck Stengor, and our supporters, the Google News Initiative, the Meta Journalism Project, Democracy Fund, and the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation for making this work possible.